Join me as we skip to the end of a book. Not the ending of the story, but further in the back, almost by the back cover. The Acknowledgements. I've always been fascinated by the acknowledgements and find myself asking questions I wish I had the answers to. Are the people they thanked still in their lives? Do they regret not including someone? What's the meaning behind this inside joke or story? Well, now I finally get the answers to my questions. In this podcast, I'll talk to the authors and explore the acknowledgements. So flip to the back of the book with me and let's start there. All right. Hi, Harry Harvey. Hi, Newton. I'm so excited to have you on the Acknowledgements podcast. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I'm so excited to be here. Cool. So you are the author of a book, The Summer My Grandmother's Yard Tried to Kill Me. And I love telling people the title of that book. So we definitely have to start there. Can you give us a premise of this book? Well, the premise of this book is there is a young boy around 11 years old named Peter Mulligan who just doesn't fit in in school. And there's an incident at the end of the school year. And I should mention he has ASD, autism spectrum disorder. And because of the incident, his parents decide to send him to Johnson Island for the summer with a grandmother that he's never met. And once he's there, I guess adventure and comedy ensues, hopefully, to the reader. And he's obsessed with old monster movies. And once he gets there, it turns out that some monsters might be real once he's on the island. And that's where the title comes from. I love it. <laughs> and and actually, I think it brings up so many questions for me outside of even the acknowledgement. So I'm actually going to start there is, as you said, he loves monster movies. So does that mean you love monster movies? I I'm okay with monster movies. I love the classic monster movies, but I do really enjoy classic old movies. And I teach a film class, so I get to see them. I get to study them. I'm a high school teacher when I'm not writing. And I did have a former student who loved Godzilla movies who had ASD. So maybe part of Peter comes from him. And and that's actually something I'm interested in hearing about. So so as a teacher, how much of your actual work influenced your writing of this book? I think my work really influenced this book because over the years I've taught many students with ASD and a few in particular where I were very fond of and they seem to gravitate to my film club. So I would spend a lot of time with them in the club outside of school and in class. And I wanted to write a book that had someone with ASD based on their different personalities as the hero, not a sidekick, to solve all the problems, to go on this adventure and find a place where they could fit in and be accepted. So that influenced the book a lot. And I and even the beginning of the book, the premise, like I mentioned, I did have a, a former student who had some very difficult times in a different school who then transferred to our high school where he was much more accepted. And and then my love of film and humor dribbled into the book. And that's that's the big influence, I think, from my work. Amazing. And when you think of the storyline and the characters, what age range do you imagine reading this book and getting something out of it? I think anyone who's maybe nine or 10 years old and older. I've had readers, I think nine was the youngest whose parents read it to them. Uh, and then I've had readers who are in their 70s read it. 
and tell me that they enjoyed it as well. I hope it has that universal quality that great middle grade books have, where it's a good story, good characters, good adventure, and anybody can enjoy it. It actually made me think it's it's funny because over the years, I feel like I've even been drawn to so many YA books. And then when I picked up this, I'm like, well, there's a middle grade book and I'm used to, to reading them with my kids. But then I was totally into it. And what it made me realize is just so so much of it was about imagining these characters and imagining this adventure that they were on. And I think that's an ageless thing. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. So I would like to, I'm grabbing the book because <laughs> I want to ask you some questions about your acknowledgments. Sure. So one of the things you say towards the end is gratitude to the best neighbors ever where everyone tells great stories by the pool. Could I have been luckier to move in across the street from a real editor? So tell me about these neighbors. They live, when I moved to this house, they lived across the street. They have a pool. They have a great margarita machine. And there was lots of time sitting around the table by the pool. And all of them, the whole family are great storytellers. Ray, Mary, Amanda is their daughter. Brian, Matt, and everyone jokes around, everyone tells a good story. And Mary, for a while, when her kids were growing up, she was an editor. So she was one of the first people who read something that I wrote and said, hey, this is just as good as the things that I edit. And it really, I really got lucky. And they're great inspiration and great neighbors. That's amazing. I love how things come together sometimes. Like, yes. And I think I should mention too, Ray, I guess the patriarch of the family, Ray, the dad, he's the one who introduced me to the publisher too, through... So that was so that was really important as well. So I couldn't have done it without the Pell family across the street. Love it. <laughs> now, from when you first started thinking about this story to the time it got published, how long is that for you? How long did that take? That was a long process. I'd say that's about maybe four years of actually having an idea and then writing by hand the first draft and then typing that up and then showing the first person and editing. And then a writer's group, which is also in my acknowledgements. And they were instrumental in helping me take it from where I had it to something that could be published. So four years. Tell me more about the writer's group. Writer's group are, they are great. And they were already a group and they were nice enough to bring me in and let me join the group. Everyone writes middle grade, young adult, and we exchange chapters, about 20 or so pages once a month, and everyone does a great critique, and then we hang out and help each other. And they're instrumental. There are some lines that they would recommend at a meeting. It might be a little more funny if Peter said this, and I would just completely steal their line, put it in the book, and I'm sure when they read it, they recognized many of their own touches that added to the book. So if anyone is wanting to be a writer, I think it's crucial to find a writer's group or someone else who wants to be a writer that you can share work with. Yeah. It's, and, and that's why I, I feel like I keep hearing is just this common thread of having this community when you're a writer and an author is so important. It is. There's so many letdowns. And I know on some other podcasts, people have talked about the difficulty of publishing and getting rejections. And it's great to have that group who say, this is entertaining, or this did really move me when I read it. Keep going, keep going. And that's what you need the group for. That's great. You also think, you say, I appreciate the time school psychologist, Robert Kehoe. 
and the POAC Autism Services Director, Gary Whiteson, took to educate me about the about ASD and for the work they have done and continue to do for the ASD community. So tell me more about them. Well, after I'd finished the book and done my research on young folks with ASD, I wanted to make sure it would be okay for anyone who has ASD to read it or parents. And so Bob was instrumental because he read all of the parts that had to do with autism spectrum disorder. And so did my friend from POAC. I called him out of the blue and he has a son who has ASD. So he was particularly helpful and interested. And I think he gave me the best advice, which was once it's established that Peter has it and the few times he has to explain it to people, then that's it. He's just like everybody else. And a lot of a lot of things that someone goes through who has ASD, it's the same things that everyone goes through, not feeling comfortable sometimes or not fitting in or you're interested in one thing, but other people aren't interested in that. So they're very common to everyone, I think. So without those, those two gave me the confidence to make sure that I was on the right path and I didn't want to offend anyone and everything I was writing came out of a place of appreciating and really enjoying all the students that I taught who have ASD and wanting to have a book for them, I guess. That's great. And have your students read your book? Yes, I, I, a few of them who've graduated, who heard about it, bought the book and then read the book and said that they loved it. So so it's funny. And I even think you mentioned in the beginning, how does my work influence me? I think one of the first things I wrote in a rough draft, and now you've read the book. So mm-hmm. when Peter was first about to go on the island and he said, it's probably isn't going to be exciting like Godzilla versus Mothra, where there's going to be magical twins and monsters. And that line, I think I wrote early. And then because of, and that's because one of my former students brought Godzilla versus Mothra to my film class. And I I was like, really? We're going to watch this? There's so many great movies. But he said, I want to watch this. I think it's an important, an important movie. I said, okay. So we watched it as seriously as we watched everything else. And I enjoyed the charm of it, having seen it myself as a kid. And then I think because of him and that little line that I was just free writing as I was counting pages, all of a sudden I thought, well, I think Peter should run into some twins. And that's how the twins ended up in the story because of, because of that reference. That's so cool. <laughs> and and so are you, do you have other ideas for other books in your mind? Are you currently writing something else? Yes, I have some other ideas. Now here, this is funny because you're going to say, do you have any ideas aside from clubs that you run at school? I also run the table tennis club or the ping pong club at school. So okay. I have a book I'm working on, another middle grade about a boy who is interested in ping pong. And then I have another one I'm working on about a future, very far into the future, where there isn't food that we eat anymore. There's just pills, powder, and water. And it's a story about what life is like. A young girl is trapped in that. Well, not trapped. She lives in that world. And yeah. uh, and, and in this story, a girl is the protagonist, and she's the first person narrator of the story. So that's what I'm working on now. I love it. <laughs> These are so creative and use so much of the imagination. So I, I like that. And one of the things I, I loved is actually at the back of your book where you talked about some author's notes and you spoke about ASD and classic movies and this whole thing about how invasive weeds are real. <laughs> and, and so how did that, this, and we don't want to give away too much of the book, but of course it's the summer, my grandmother's yard tried to kill me. So there's something to do right, right. with the plants and, and yes. gardens. So where did that 
part of the story come into play? I think, well, here's the thing. I think as a, someone who's a, trying to be a writer, but has another profession as a teacher, it's hard to do a ton of research. So I think a lot of times you write what comes out of your imagination or the classic, you write what you know. So it turned out I had some invasive species invading my yard. Bamboo was coming in my yard and destroying my wife's garden. So I went to war with this bamboo and as I was digging it out and trying to prevent it and researching how to get rid of it, I started to really admire the plant and how you just couldn't stop it once it got going. And, and the more I researched it, I thought, hmm, this is kind of an interesting, this could be really an interesting story if suddenly plants were out of control and angry. <laughs> for what we've been doing to them for all these years on the planet. So that's where that, that came it. from you a really, real experience. Yes, real experience. Yes. I love how you pulled not just like one part of the story from one place, but from all of these different places. <laughs> yes. That's so cool. Yes, I think all of my stories are, and, and the ones I'm working on now, all come from, I think creativity sometimes comes from taking things that usually don't go together and putting them all together. And, yeah. and I think in this story in particular, it, that happens. And in the other stories that I like to do, like things that happen in my life that I get excited about or interested in, I learn about, and then I, I guess that, and then I want to share it, I guess, in a story. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So coming back to your acknowledgements, you said, my appreciation to the editing powers of Jenny Martinez Nocito <laughs> and the critique from her very literary daughters, Lena and Ella. Your notes put the sprinkles on top of the cupcake. <laughs> so tell me about Jenny, Lena, and Ella. Well, they are, that's the family of my friend, Frank Nocito, who married Jenny Martinez. And we were friends growing up from, I guess, I was in first grade and he was in kindergarten. We come from the same small town, the same church, the same everything. And his daughters and his wife, they are readers. They love to read and we visit them every year and they're always just consuming books and they love to write as well. I think someday both daughters will be published because they've been writing forever. Sometimes when I would visit them, we'd compare how many pages did you write? Dive? How many words do you have? Oh, a thousand. And one, I think Ella said a thousand. Really? That's all? They were like not impressed. A thousand pages a day or something like that. So so once I was finished, they they got a good look at it because I know they love to read and they love stories. So they they went through it. And I think Lena gave me her notes. Ella gave me her, note, her notes. And then Jenny was the master editor. There was so many great edits that she that she caught that, that I instantly just took them, instantly just took them. So they are great readers. I could not have published the book without them. And they're great storytellers themselves. I look forward to seeing what happens. I think Lena's about to start college and Ella's in high school. So just give them a little time. And I'll be, I'll be talking about them and writing some sort of review for their book soon, I think. So there great. you go. Make sure they put the acknowledgements in those books. I hope so. <laughs> is there, when, when you think about your acknowledgements, is there anyone that you kind of looking back wished you put in there? I think, I don't know if my parents are in there. Let me see. Uh, 
parents as well for not really encouraging me to write, but just tolerating me as a child growing up because I could be a little precocious or busy, I guess, and silly that they had to deal with that, I think. That also comes out in the book when you, when you read it. So I definitely should have thanked them. And and I, and I they are good storytellers as well. So there was lots of time sitting around the Thanksgiving dinner table on the table telling stories about things that happened. My dad in particular, excellent storyteller. So I should, I should thank them. And I should thank my Aunt Marion, who was a reader, who I often would go to her house and she would babysit me a lot. And she, and she read, did the, did crossword puzzles all the time, always had a book going. So she also, I think was a big inspiration. And did you read a lot as a child or even in, when you were in these middle grade years yourself? I think as it, well, I know we took many trips to the Riverside. That's the town I'm from, Riverside Library as young, young kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But then as I grew up, as I got older, I think I gravitated more to comic books. So I read lots and lots of comic books. So I think my reading was mostly there. And then I guess I should tell you this story because this is kind of ironic that, and then as I kind of went through high school and started to read, I got into The Hobbit and Star Wars came out. So I read the Star Wars novelization and things like that. But eventually I ended up working in a, in the town I live in, there's a huge warehouse where Macmillan Publishing Company, all their books come out of this warehouse. And one summer I worked in that warehouse. And as I worked there, I didn't realize it. It was the worst job ever. It was the worst job. It was just a conveyor belt of books and you this one goes to Barnes and Noble, right? They, they go here. This one goes to, do you remember, Walden Books. This one yeah. goes to B. Dalton. It was the worst. And all you did was conveyor belt of books. And they put them on the truck and you'd get back and it never ended. But during my breaks, when I would wander around, there was a bin of books to be destroyed. So if the slightest cover was bent, they wouldn't sell it. And it would be in this giant bin. But in that giant bin was all of Ernest Hemingway's books. So I didn't know at the time, but Macmillan owned Charles Scribner's and Sons, and they owned the paperback copyright, I guess, to all the Hemingway novels. So I started dealing slash rescuing, whatever you want to call it, all of Ernest Hemingway's books and started to read them. And then by the time I got back to college the next year, I changed my major to English. I eventually became an English teacher. And those books and that job changed, kind of changed my life a little bit, I think. So something really bad turned out to be something really good. And here's the best part of the story. When my first batch of the summer, your grandmother's yard tried to kill me, came to my house in a big box, the address said Riverside, New Jersey. And I was like, what? And then I went, next time I went home to visit my parents, Simon and Schuster had bought the warehouse. So my box of books came down the same conveyor belts where I had been working in college in the summer. And it was like amazing moment for me. That is amazing. And I'm imagining (laughs) some other kid being like, I've got to pack these up. Exactly. Thanks a lot, Harry Harvey, for writing this book. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great point. That's really amazing. I know. So, and it's so, so how old were you when you were picking out these Ernest Hemingway books out of the dumpster box? (laughs) Destroy bin, the destroy bin. Liberating them. That's what I was doing. Liberating them. I, I was a, maybe my first year home from college. I was just right out of high school and I'd never really read, read those books. And then all of a sudden it just, 
just exploded. Wow. And like changed the course of like your studies and everything. I think so. Yeah. I just thought, wow, I just, just love these stories. And and yeah. it really spoke to me at the time. And, and then when I went back, I eventually changed my major and, and uh, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, and what do you read now? I read anything now, but right now I'm into old science fiction from like the 70s and 80s. I like Philip Jose Farmer, who wrote the Riverworld series, which is kind of like weird sci-fi where once everyone in the world dies, they go to this place, you're not sure where it is, where there's this incredibly long river, but everyone along this river is from every age ever. So there might be Neanderthals, there might be guys from the Roman Empire, women from the Roman Empire, there might be someone from World War II. And it's really weird and really strange. And I, I guess being an English teacher, it's fun to read books that are just so offbeat instead of the classics that I always end up reading for school and things like that. So that's what I'm into right now. But I, it's very varied. It'll be someone if someone gives me a book, I'll suddenly read it. Or I love to go to like a flea market or a used bookstore and just randomly take take books or go to Barnes and Noble and think this might be interesting and, yeah. and just jump on a new book. So love it. I'm so glad you wrote this book. I think it's a great inspiration to your students too, to see that you've written as well, especially as an English teacher. And I'm really looking forward to what you write next and when that comes out. Absolutely. And thank you so much for this podcast. I think it's a great idea. I do read the acknowledgments. I was waiting for you to ask me that. Yes, I you do. do. Okay. I do. My wife particularly does, and oftentimes she will read them to me after she finishes a book and say, oh, guess who this author thanked and check this out and things like that. So there's lots of mutual reading and talking going on in my house that helps as well. I love that. Oh, wait, now I have to know, do you both, will you both read the same books then? She is into historical fiction. Okay. <laughs> usually World War II romance type stories. Yeah. And also some some good like romantic comedies, I guess, that, mm -hmm. that she's into as well. But yeah. sometimes when we're in the car, we'll listen to whatever she's reading if she's listening to a book on tape. So Got um, it. once in a while, we read the same book. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Harry. It was great to have you and chat with you and find out more about you as a writer and a reader. Well, thank you so much. And I hope your podcast has lots of success and I will keep listening for sure. Thank you. Thanks for getting curious about the acknowledgements and remember to read from cover to cover. Check out the acknowledgements on Facebook, Instagram, or theacknowledgements.com. There you'll find more information on the books and authors that I talk about here.